This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Hello, fans of the San Juan Ruby Red, and welcome to another session on the Hop 4 podcast. Did you even know that was a hop variety? I didn't, but there you go. It is from Colorado, USA. As many of you know, I used to be the brewery manager, head brewer, and just about everything else for the Sheffield Brewery Company. Uh, the brewery itself is situated in an old Polish works in the heart of Neepsend, which is on the doorstep of the renowned Kellam Island region, home of the namesake brewery, and the revered real ale pub, The Fat Cat. The Sheffield Brewery Company occupies a red brick building which was once a Victorian polish works, producing a famous wartime polish called Blanco that soldiers would use to shine their boots during the war. These days, it houses a rather quirky 10-barrel brewery and tap room that spans three floors of solid wood and brick flooring, hefty timber beams and more character than you'll find in a BBC costume drama. Whenever I'd be brewing, you could guarantee at least two people would stray in off the street and survey the building in wide-eyed amazement, usually uttering the words, Wow, this, this is amazing. How long have you been here? And as if scripted, I'd respond, 11 years. 11 years? I'd, I had no idea you were even here. After a while, I got sick of people telling me that we should market the venue more. So that's what me and Pete, the now owner, did. I'd bring my DSLR camera to the brewery taproom socials once a month, take photos of people eating pizzas from our regular food vendor, pints of beautiful golden ales with thick creamy heads, and people generally having a good time in a beautiful scenic location and surrounded by general hipsterness. Before we knew it, the tap room was full and the bar was manic. Whenever I got a spare moment whilst pulling a pint, I'd ask the people over the bar, how did you find us? To which nine times out of 10, they would respond, I saw you on social media and I came down. And the rest, my friends, is history. Now, I wish it really, really was that simple when it comes to social media marketing. But as I'm sure we're all aware, it isn't. As my guest today, Amy Brooks from Content on Draft will attest, social media isn't just something that should be left to the person who is always on their phone or anyone even who knows how to use Instagram. There's a lot of strategy and thought involved in creating content that resonates with people and influences their purchasing decisions. In my opinion, you can usually tell which breweries have a marketing manager who is worth their salt and is social media savvy because they tend to be, not always, but most often, the ones who are doing better than everyone else. Now, don't underestimate the power of social media. I don't think for one second that just because you have Hootsuite, you now know what you're doing. Even though I've worked with a lot of companies on their branding and marketing and developed their social media platforms, I had a lot to learn from Amy Brooks. The company of which she is a co-founder of, uh, Content on Draft, is a New York State-based company up in Buffalo that works with craft breweries and drinks manufacturers from around the world to manage social media accounts, create content and give brand guidelines to companies that need to take their business to the next level through social media marketing. 
There's so much to be said for how social media can positively impact your business and even more to be said on how it can be done wrong at best and have catastrophic results at worst. You only need to follow the Worst Beer blog to see some of the teeth-sucking examples when beer businesses have failed really, really badly on social media. However, as me and Amy discuss so much in this episode and give some really practical advice for your business on how to improve your social media practices, I won't labour the point any further and we'll get into this week's topic after we've heard about this week's... So a few weeks ago, I asked some of our listeners to recommend um, a new brewery for a shout out. And one name came up several times, which was Pipeline Brewing Co. So I'd never heard of Pipeline. So I reached out to them and they were very kind to send me some beer. So I'm going to try this live on air. Um, So this is Stargazing at Midnight. It's a very, very beautiful looking can. Uh, 7.5% dipper. So it's uh, Citra, Azaka and Nelson Sovin. Um, I like Azaka. It's a good hop. Very underrated in my opinion. Um, And London 3 yeast as well. So it's going to be juicy this. So I'm going to crack this open. I'm going to taste it. And then I'm going to tell you how you can get hold of their beers. So... Here goes nothing. Oh, some sick. Oh, crap. Don't get it on the Mac. <laughs> I saw how juicy it was, and then I got a little bit vigorous with my paw. Some of it went on the table, narrowly avoiding my computer, which would have made me very sad. And now I'm getting it on the table further. Still, there'll be none of this left. Wow, look at that. There'll be no reading your newspaper through that, that's for sure. That's pure hop juice right there. So, okay, I've heard really good things. So, here we go. Oh, amazing. Absolutely juicy as your grandma's grapefruits. (laughs) That's such a great beer. That's so incredibly nice. So, while I take another slurp, you should head over to pipelinebrewing.co.uk. Pipeline Brewing Co. crafts small batches of vibrant, hoppy, juicy beers on the North Cornwall coast. Um, They use fresh ingredients and obviously Cornish water to create some banging craft beers that showcase the best of New World hops. And because they brew in small batches, it frees them up to experiment with blending the four ingredients carefully selecting from the range of fresh hops, yeast and malts that they add to soft Cornish water to create exciting beers. So if you go on their website and discover their ever-changing lineup of small batch craft beers, um, you'll see exactly what I mean. These are really good and I'm hoping to get them on the podcast as well soon and do a bit more of a virtual tasting there and find out more about their brewery and their range of beers and their IPAs. So if you want to get hold of some of their beer, I'm not sure at the moment you can buy it online. However, they are in lots of places like Craft Tooting in London, Hops and Craft in Exeter, the Hoptimist in Leeds. Beer Hive in Edinburgh, Bottle and Books in Bristol. That sounds like a shop that is way up uh, mine and my wife's street. She likes the books, I like the bottles, so there you go. So make sure you head over to pipelinebrewing.co.uk and find out how you can get hold of their beers and surf the crest of the hoppy waves. 
We are partnering with Brew School to highlight each and every week an exciting job opportunity available in the UK beer industry. And this week's opportunity from brewing-jobs.com comes from the Aaron Brewery. The Aaron Brewery has won awards for its beer every year bar once since it was established in 2000 and they are looking for an excellent brewer who can manage a team of brewers producing their flagship Aaron Blonde brand to demanding specification. The applicant needs to be salsa with beer familiar and be a good manager ensuring all aspects of the brewing process meet a high standard while being innovative and able to design best-in-class beers that will keep Aaron Brewery winning awards for the quality of its beer. It's a full-time permanent post. The salary will depend on your experience but be between 20 to 35k a year plus bonuses etc and they need a CV and covering letter. So if you would like to apply for that job simply head over to brewing-jobs.com click on the link at the bottom of the post and apply today. And finally, to round up, as usual, if you want to get ahead in the brewing and beer business, make sure you follow us on all the socials at Hop Forward Beers. Join our growing Facebook group by searching for Hop Forward in the groups. We'd love to connect with you further on there and keep the discussions going. And visit hopforward.beer to discover how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business with branding and design, digital marketing and business development or brewery consultancy. We would love to help your brewery, your bar, your bottle shop or supplier business grow to make more sales, to have more of an online presence, to market your products and services as well and just to look the bee's knees. So very much in keeping with that, we're going to get into today's discussion with Amy Brooks from Content on Draft, talking all the way from New York State about social media and how you can harness social media to help grow your beer business. Today on the Hot Four podcast, I'm joined by Amy Brooks, co-founder of Content on Draft. Hello. Hey, Nick. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Doing pretty well, as well as can be. Yeah. So you're you're in the USA. I am. Yeah. COVID so. is rampant. You went there. I was. I was. I wasn't going to mention I went it, there. but you, you just. You just kind of <laughs> went for the jugular. So. Um, so whereabouts in the states are you? Just for our listeners. I'm in New York State. I'm not in New York City. I'm in Buffalo, so I'm all the way to the west of New York State. Right. And so, to be fair, it's better where I am than it is or has been in a lot of other areas. So. Yeah. What What's the brewery scene out like there? Actually, pretty good in Buffalo, and then Rochester, which is about an hour away from us, has a pretty booming brewery scene. Happy days. Cool. So um, this week I wanted to crack open a conversation about social media. Uh, firstly, before we look at some specific questions about how our listeners can get ahead with their social media platforms, can you give us a bit, bit of background about who you are and how you got into the drinks industry and a bit about your company, uh, Content on Draft? Sure. Um, actually, I got into the drinks industry when I was living in UK. Um, I went to City University London and I actually went for journalism so while all of my friends were doing war correspondence classes, I was at 
pub talking about the latest craft beers over there. Um, and I realized that brewers are just the most fun people to talk to. They're the most opening, inviting, welcoming community that I think I've ever been a part of. So all of my stories kind of had to do with craft beer. And I was like, oh, I guess I can make a job out of this. And um, that's how I got into the beer industry, at least. Social media is something that I just realized I really geek out about. Like, I read articles about social media, and I think that that's kind of really weird, (laughs) (laughs) unless you're in my industry. Like, I had no other option, either be a weirdo or be a social media person if I was going to start reading those articles. So um, I met, well, I met Morgan in college back before I went to the UK, but we kind of met back up and realized we both had similar passions and thought, you know, let's do it. Let's start this business. And we've been going since 2018. Oh, nice. So when did you come to the UK to go to university? Uh, I went to get my master's degree over there and that was, oh goodness, um, 2015, I believe. Right. Okay. So I was two years over there. Right. Nice. So that, that's, that was a good time to be in London as far as beer was concerned. I think, um, Beaver Town was still fully independent, um, yep. possibly Camden Town as well. I don't know if you, if you went there before AB InBev bought them out. Yeah, that was a sad buyout. And I'll, I'll drink a macro brew if it's handed to me. I'm not going to stick my nose up at it um, if I'm at the in-laws. But it, it's sad when they get bought out, when the little guys get bought out. Yeah, I was sad about that. Um, I, Funnily enough, I'd, I'd met an American guy just through a, a mutual friend, basically. I'd, I'd never met him before. And it was just, just this mutual friend was like, um, oh, hey, you should take Nick out to um, that brewery in Camden. So he t- t- there was me and some other... Other guy, I think it was about seven or eight of us, I think. And he, he took us all out for beers, bought all the beers and um, at Camden Town. And um, towards the end of the night, he was like, hey, man, you, you got some room in your bag for some beer? I'm like, mate, I'll, I'll make room in my bag for some beer. And he's, he's <laughs> pulling out all this ants batching hob day. He's trying that you can take this one. And, and at the end, I was like, I, I ain't got anything to give you in return, mate. Ah, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And it was, yeah, it was brilliant. So I, I had very fond memories of, of um, that brewery. So yeah, it's, it is sad when, you know, you attach yourself somewhere to a, an experience even, and then they get bought out. Um, yeah, so f- first of this might sound like a really dumb question, but why is social media so important for beer businesses today? Oh my goodness. I could actually probably talk about this for a full hour. So let me see if I could get this as succinct as possible. Um, all of your customers are on social media. If you have a brewery, all of your customers are on social media, unless your target audience is like over 60. And even then they probably are still on Facebook. Um, so it's one of the best ways to reach your customers where they're already at. Um, and also breweries are social. (laughs) You people go to breweries. Um, you know, you said about Camden, they go to breweries for the experience. So if you can bring that experience onto the internet, the people who love you so much for the experience when they visit you are going to love you so much for the experience that they get, you know, on the internet. And then they're not just going to visit you. They're bringing you on their phones everywhere they go. Um, there is a very, um, I guess, intimacy with social media too. Um, because you know, you wake up in the morning, you start looking through your phone. 
So you're kind of literally in bed with a brewery. Um, you are, you know, you got five minutes uh, um, waiting for the bus and you take out your phone. And it's kind of like the places that you go to are the places that you're the most connected with. Um, and that on social media, that connection can then translate into actually going and visiting and buying. So it's kind of like a big old circle of growing and nurturing that relationship and just having that wonderful community and that being amazing in and of itself. And then also making more money because you have those relationships. Mm. Do you think that's why, just following on from this Camden Town thing we were talking about, do you think that's why people really lose the plot when a independent microbrewery sells up to a like a global macro brewer because there, there is that intimacy through social media because you know in times gone by when we didn't have social media and that happened it was just like oh you know a brewery sold to a global beer company you know like any business sells mm-hmm. to a, a global company whereas you know in this social media driven age people really like lose the plot and you know and wave their flag and all the rest of it I think that's definitely a piece of it. I think um, also in the past few years, kind of going along with the craft beer revolution, there's been more of a local revolution, like fighting for the little guy. So I think a lot of people who enjoy craft beer, who enjoy independent beer, um, like it, not just because it's good, but also because they have this feeling that they're supporting the underdog. They're supporting those people who are who have the grit and just went out there and did the thing and got it done so it's kind of like when they sell out you know do we do we want to support goliath or were we just having a great time supporting david Mm -hmm. and i think that that's why people get you know upset about it yeah so obviously you run this company continent on draft and you see a lot of social media accounts from breweries bars and other beer related businesses what are some of the biggest mistakes you see when it comes to social media Oh, gosh. Um, Okay. Because I bet you've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? (laughs) We have. We have actually. uh, One of of the reasons why we decided we wanted to get into the business at all, yes, we had a passion for it, but also we saw a lot of people who were doing it wrong. And um, we were just like, oh, my goodness, let me help you. We can help you. (laughs) So um, there's a few things, and um, I'll stick with – I'll try to keep the list short – we did do, I don't know if I could shameless plug, we did a blog series recently about seven mistakes breweries are making on social media and how to fix them. Um, but some of the biggest ones are bad imagery. Um, I could go on a while about imagery, but the thing is when you live in the social media age, our attention spans are so stinking short. Um, when you're scrolling through social media, you want to be, um, you want to stop the scroll. These are my marketing terms. Stop the scroll or be thumb stopping. So if you can imagine someone flicking through their phone, mm. um, you want to stop that and then maybe look back. So really good imagery is super important. Sometimes that means adding people into your photos because people connect with people. Yeah. Um, That's actually kind of a really good thing. If you're not doing that already, you definitely need to be doing that. But um, so up-leveling your imagery is going to be a big one. Um, And then another one is only selling. So we're in business to be in business. We're in business because we love it, but we're also in business to make money. 
But if you're only selling, you know, this beer is uh, great with this pizza and it's on sale now or get it out before it's gone. If every single post is, post, sorry, is like that. If every single post is just like, come buy things, come buy things, come buy things, you're not going to create a relationship. Um, imagine if somebody walked into the bar and your bartender said, uh, only not, Hey, how are you? How are you doing today? What can I get you here? Try this, try that. Um, but was just like, yeah, we have this on sale, this on sale, this on sale. And then they came back over. Yeah. You could buy this, this, and this. Yes. You would get some purchases, but you're not going to get people to stay and connect. Whereas if the bartender comes over and starts talking to you, tells you a story, asks what you've been doing that day, really gets into that conversation, that's when they're going to stay, order an extra drink. Maybe they want to get food there instead of somewhere else. And um, that's the sort of thing that makes you more money. So translate that to online building relationships. Um, if you're only selling, it's going to be a big problem. Mm. And what about some of the other things um, that people are doing wrong? Okay. So, Feel free to just kind um, of go for it. <laughs> yeah, I'll just keep going. Um, so well, if we could talk a little bit about when you're posting, the timing of your post is a really big deal because um, unless your post is getting a lot of engagement, um, if you put it on at, I don't know, 9 a.m., but none of your none of your followers are on at 9 a.m. or 10 or 11, your post is basically going to go in the Facebook, Instagram graveyard. People will see it if they come onto your page. It's not going to disappear, but it's not going to get a lot of action. So you want to go into your own insights, look at the times, the best times to post. Um, Facebook and Instagram both generate that for you and figure out, you know, when is a good time to post that more people are online, so more people are likely to see it and then more people can engage with it. And then um, once more people engage with it, even more people see it, mm. which leads to my next thing that they're doing wrong, <laughs> which is not engaging. So um, one of the most important things in both the Facebook and the Instagram algorithm is engagement. And engagement is your likes, your comments, um, your shares on Instagram, the its saves um, are also important. Um, but so what you want to do is you want to get people to like your post, but not just like your post, but love your post, like literally click the love or click the cares. Or if it's something sad, click the sad, click the angry, whatever emotion you're trying to get, you want them to show that because likes are good, but the other reactions are weighted heavier. Um, That's interesting. And then I didn't yeah, it's super. If you're friends with Morgan, we on Facebook or um, you're in a beer group with us, you might notice that we love everything. We um, literally heart almost everything. And to us, that's kind of like our kudos. Like we like this, but because the heart is weighted more than the like, we're, you know, not just super lovey-dovey people. We know that that's going to help out the post better than just a thumbs up. Oh, I, um, now now I feel them um, for, for all those posts that you you, you loved of, of mine, I, I, I feel extra boosted. Yeah, go Nick. <laughs> <laughs> the most important part. <laughs> um, this is a really big tip um, that can, if you're not already doing it, really help your engagement and help your posts. Um, 
And that is getting your friends, your family, your um, bartenders, anybody who supports your business to see your posts first on Facebook or um, on Instagram. Just always look to the posts on Facebook. There's actually a see first feature. But see your posts first, search for your posts, and then love them or comment on them. Um, my fiance and my mother-in-law are great at this. <laughs> they have loved everything I've ever posted ever. Um, but it's not just, you know, a nice supportive thing for them to do. It actually really helps a lot. Mm. Um, and if you're getting those, those reactions and those comments, then more people are going to see it. And there's a bit of a psychological thing when people see something and a lot of people have already liked it or commented on it that they're like, oh, and they feel like they need to interact with it too. But um, algorithm-wise, it just shows it to more people, so there's more opportunities for that. Yeah. So what what sort of things can brewers or other beer businesses, such as like bars, bottle shops, or, or even suppliers to the industry, what, what can they do other than some of the things you've, said, you've just said to make more of an impact through social media? So I think the thing to do that will have the most impact on your social media is planning ahead. And um, it might seem kind of soft planning ahead. Um, You know, it's not some magical tip, but it is something that I know from personal experience makes a huge impact. I've done posts where I've planned ahead and I've done posts where I haven't. And I would say, you know, 9.9 times out of 10, the posts where I've planned ahead have better captions. They have better photos. Um, It's posted at a, a more optimal time. Um, And all of those things work together to really make sure that the message that you're sending out is one that you know that your followers want to see and that um, you're not super stressed out and trying to get something out at the last minute because, oh, my God, I didn't post today. Um, Part of that could be writing out a style guide. Not a lot of breweries do it. It's a really huge, big, super impactful thing. Um, and it's one of those things that takes either time or money up front, you know, time, if you're going to do it, money, if you're going to get somebody else to do it, but saves you so much time and can earn you a lot more money in the long run, because it's just a very well thought out plan of how to carry out your social media, the best practices all written down. And, um, you know, we've implemented style guides with clients and it can save them you know, hours of time a week, just because they know what to do automatically. They're not scrambling. Um, even if you're planning ahead, you're not stuck in a rut. You have different things that get you out of that rut before mm. you even have a chance to get in. So touching upon that, because um, obviously we're, we're both in marketing and branding and stuff. Um, you know, we're both aware what style guides are, but you know, for, for some of the brewers out there listening to this who might be like, okay, what's a style guide? Can you just unpack what that is um just because if you know if they're saying it's really important um you know what what sort of things do they need in there um and how can it really help them um to you know get on top of the social media so it doesn't get on top of them sure sure so um kind of if you're doing um a visual style guide kind of like i think what is more traditional and a little more well known you have your branding in there you have your fonts that you use you have your colors that you use you have your logos your alternate logos um, maybe different graphics and that all kind of shows the brand style so if you see those pieces 
um, you know that is from this brewery. You know, it's very easily recognizable. A social media style guide is similar in the sense that it gives you your brand standards. Um, so in there, this is, we actually just recently finished a style guide and um, we did just Instagram instead of both Instagram and Facebook. And it was a bit of a whopper of 45 page document. Wow. Um, yes, it's not, uh, it's not short. But it is super helpful because when you're doing a certain type of post or a certain type of element, you can flip to that part and just follow the steps. Um, so it has your photo standards. Um, it can have your photo editing standards. Um, it will have how to do an Instagram story so that your story slides all look similar and kind of go together. Um, how to write a caption. Morgan and I have uh, create caption writing formulas for our clients. So if the client's in a pinch, they follow the formula. Turns out different every time, but it has the same elements so that it's like you got to be creative with it. But at the same time, it makes it so much easier than a blank page. Um, so you can have a caption writing formula. We put in a calendar of events, both, you know, inspirational events like International Beer Day or National Saison Day. Um, oh, I love National Saison Day. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. <laughs> also events that are very specific to the brewery, like um, your anniversary, your big stout festival that you hold every year, your pie baking contest. Um, we actually have worked with a brewery who's done a pie baking contest. It's nice. delicious. Um, so all of those elements go into it. Uh, if you are going to have a grid pattern on your Instagram, the grid pattern goes into it. If you're going to post events on Facebook, how are you going to post the events? What do you need to make sure is in there every time? Um, the style guide can help the marketing team or the general manager who is also doing marketing, depending on, you know, how big your brewery is, know when to hound the management or brewers about what information so that they can make sure that they get the posts up on time. So, you know, a beer release, what is the style for a beer release? How do we do beer releases? What information do I need to get from the brewer in order to have my post ready to go when the beer is ready to release at the same time? Mm. Um, there's a lot more, <laughs> there's a lot in it. Um, but I would say, like, those are some big pieces. If you think of, you know, the style of how you want to do the photos, the style of how you want to do the captions, the style of how you want to do other elements like stories and highlights and events, um, and you write it all down so that when it's time to do something, you can kind of flip to the page and just go for it. That That's kind of how it saves you time is because it's like, okay, steps, and you do it. Yeah. I mean, systemizing your business is just like one of the best things you can do and it's not it's not glamorous you know no, no well maybe they are but I've, I've not come across anyone on instagram sort of you know um <laughs> systemizers of business you know hashtag <laughs> you know accounts you know here's here's, here's me coming up with a killer flow chart you know um oh, but it's challenge accepted <laughs> yeah, oh, there you go um but i know having written templates like that myself 
um, for a business I, I was involved with for 18 months, just how, like say, you know, how effective they are. Um, yeah. You know, and I, yeah, that's, that was a really good overview. Thank you. Um, so yeah. w- when it, when it comes to like, um, paid advertising so obviously F- facebook who also own instagram for anyone that's not aware um like you know it seems that they in particular are squeezing more and more organic reach out of people's feeds in favor of paid advertising so you might be thinking like oh i'm going to get loads of like you know sales off this really nice post that i did of, of my beer in the sun and all the rest of it and it's got like you look on the little reach thing and it's like you know 14 people have seen it <laughs> you know and you feel dispirited whereas like obviously the ones that get paid for it's just like wow a million people have viewed it well exaggerating but you know what i mean um, so mm-hmm. what, what are some of the best strategies when it comes to that? And, and what's the deal with all that um, for anyone that's not aware of those kind of algorithms? Sure. Um, so this is this is a, a little bit of a tricky one to explain because paid, paid advertising can be amazing. Kind of like what you're saying, like paid advertising can get your post out to thousands of people and in the scheme of things, social media advertising is less expensive than, you know, getting an ad on TV or something like that. Um, however, we sometimes actually very frequently caution people against paid advertising until they have their organic content nailed down. Mm. Um, and the analogy I like to use for this one is... You're standing at a bar, someone's sitting on the other side, and you hand them a beer. But it's a stout, and they don't like stouts. You could put eight more stouts in front of them. They're still not going to drink it because they don't like stouts. Um, so similarly, with your posts, you put a post in front of someone. If they don't like it, they're not going to click on it. They're not going to read it. They're not going to interact with it. Um, but... If you, if you are able to nail down what that person likes, if you take the time to figure out that they're really a Cezanne guy and you put that in front of them, they're going to love it. They're going to buy it. They're going to want more. So you need to fine tune your organic content. And then once that's done, that's when you put money on it. Um, and that's when those posts do really, really, really well. Yeah. So... Just while we're talking about numbers, because I mean a lot of this is is number driven, really. Like there's there's a lot of emphasis on on growth on social media platforms. Everyone likes a big number, don't they? You know, it's, it gives you that little um, adrenaline hit, doesn't it? When you see, oh, wow, you know, I've had hundreds of likes on this, whatever. Um, yeah. But just just because you've got a million followers doesn't necessarily mean that all those followers translate into cold hard cash. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you said earlier about um, like the brewery that are always like, sell, 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 just buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Um, like, and, and you should avoid that. But on, on the other extreme, you know, you do see breweries that never sell, never have call to actions on any of their posts. So w- what are some of the best ways to convert those casual craft beer consumers from just endlessly flicking through a feed into actual paying customers without coming across as being like the, the, the big salesman? Sure. So um, I would say the first thing you need to do is you need to start at 
who your followers are. Um, I'm not sure if anybody is doing this, but if you are paying for followers, you need to stop immediately. Um, not only do social media platforms not like that and you can get penalized for that, but also um, there's something that is called the engagement rate. Uh, so if we're talking numbers, your engagement rate um, is going to be dependent on how many followers you have. So um, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this without actually like spitting an equation out at you right now. Um, okay, so your engagement rate is gonna be dependent on how many followers you have. So you could have 3000 followers and have a better, more solid engagement rate than someone that has 42,000 followers. And I would say that's gonna be even better for your company um, because that means the people who are following with you interact with you, they like you, they like what you're saying, um, and you're kind of tuned in with what they want, which means that when you do post something that um, has the call to action, they're gonna to respond to it. Um, so that's kind of one thing is kind of tuning into your engagement rate, which basically just means paying attention to what your followers engage with and doing more of that. Um, the, other, the other thing you can do is um, kind of cycle through. So some posts can be sell. Some posts can be, we're releasing this amazing beer tonight. It goes amazing with this pizza that we have and you should come in and try them both together. Um, or this keg's on special, let's kick it tonight. Or something like that. Um, that paired with other more community oriented posts is kind of gonna be your magic, um, your magic posting spot, I guess. That sounds lame. Let <laughs> 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 me say that one again. <laughs> so that paired with your community oriented posts is gonna actually do the best for you um, because it's going to make people feel involved and make people feel good with the community posts, but then it's also gonna make you money so they like you, they ha they're happy with you, you're a great company and they relate with you. And because of that, they're gonna buy this beer that you just put out, or they really want this t-shirt that you have. Um, it's, again, we're gonna take this back to the bar setting. A great bartender asks people what they're doing, you know, talks to them, chats them up a little. Um, and then they also say when they're almost done with the beer, do you want another one? And because they're happy with the bartender's conversation, um, they say, yeah, because they want to stay for more. So that's kind of, it's kind of a balancing act. Mm. So social media has played an ever increasingly important part in life, society and business for the past decade or so, but um, e even more so, I think, during the coronavirus pandemic. How have you seen breweries and tap rooms, social media fees change over the past 19 weeks, however long it's been, um, you know, and now they're having to rely so heavily on driving customers digitally rather than through their doors. I have seen feeds go two ways. The first way is you fired the person that's doing social media or you cut back on their hours and we can all tell. Um, and obviously biased, this is my industry, but I know that when 
something like this happens where you're not getting those face-to-face touch points, you need to get the touch points with your customer somewhere so that actually you think you're saving a buck, but you're actually hurting your business because you're not communicating with your customers anymore. Your customers don't really know what's going on because how can they? They can't Mm. visit you and they also don't know what's going on online. They can't look you up. So that's the one thing that I've seen happen. The other thing is the people who have sort of doubled down on their social media. And the people who have doubled down on their social media actually have seen crazy spikes in their engagements, in their engagement rates. Um, So for a lot of people, this is like the best time on social media for them. They post something and everybody's paying attention to it. And that's largely because that's all people are doing or have been over the past however many months is they've been online because they can't go out. They can't see the people face to face. So they're online doing what they can. So people who have really excelled have um, posted regularly, consistently. They have done more like Facebook live type of things. It could be a live event. It could be, you know, just a brewer hopping on and talking about a beer release. Um, I saw there was one. um, So New York State uh, Brewers Association was doing a live every Friday with a different brewer. And the one um, was with the brewer from Warbach, Nikki, who is amazing. Um, And she actually did like a scavenger hunt type of thing. And she gave away like little koozies and like kind of knickknack merch type stuff. But um, everybody that I was talking to was like, people were like running around their house trying to grab the thing that she was asking for. And it really got not only digital engagement, but physical engagement. And it it was brilliant, honestly. So um, different sorts of lives, different videos, updates. One of the things that I'm currently hammering home right now is um, pinning posts to the top of Facebook page and creating highlights that are kind of dedicated to updating information. Um, At least in the states, things keep changing. Mm. Some places are opening, some places are closing, going forward, going backwards. So your customers may or may not know where you are. (laughs) They may not know if you're open, if your hours are changed, what the different rules and regulations are. So if you update it and pin a post on Facebook and just, you know, update that as things change or update it weekly, um, or on Instagram have, you know, a story and then save it as a highlight, people can very, very easily find the information that you're looking for. And the easier it is for people to find information, the more likely they're going to buy from you. Uh, If they can't find it, they might just go to the other place down the road that they can find the information more easily. Mm. Do you think that breweries, this is going to be a very generalized question, but do you think that breweries don't value social media and marketing anywhere near as much as they ought to? I would say it definitely depends on the brewery. If I think of the breweries as far as even in my city, or I go larger, the statewide breweries or the breweries that are national, um, independent still, the ones who are doing well are the ones who have good marketing. And I don't know, chicken and egg, which came first, the marketing or them doing well. But 
you could kind of see how well um, a brewery is doing by how good they look. And it's, it's superficial. That's fair to say um, it's superficial. But um, if a beer looks extra tasty, I'm more likely to buy it. If it doesn't look great, I might pass it by. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you talk to somebody that does branding for a living. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's the, the point I try and hammer home to clients or to people um, again and again is just about, you know, making it look good. People buy with their eyes first and foremost, no matter how much people say they don't buy their, with their eyes first, or it's all about the beer. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the liquid is extremely important, but people buy with their eyes first you know you can't help it it's it's i think it's human nature to to see something and make an intrinsic decision without thinking mm-hmm. about it it's it's that cognitive part of your brain that's already decided not what you think but what you feel about it before you engage your, your thought processes so um i'm i'm right there Very with you the, um, I mean, what would you say? Yeah. What would you say to the beer businesses listening to this, whether it's bottle shops or bars or breweries or whoever, who, you know, might kick back as to their reasons why, you know, that they don't think marketing has as much value as maybe you or I put on it. Sure. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, why should I buy your beer? If you can give me a good reason on why I should buy your beer, you're marketing it. If not, I'm not going to buy it. So, you know, why? And and the other thing I think that is real big, at least in my field, maybe a little bit less for a designer, but is like, oh, yeah, well, you know, the bartenders just take a picture and post it online and that does fine. Or, oh, I'm going to have my cousin's sister's best friend do it because she likes to be on her phone a lot. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, um. I'm going to go drink this homebrew because it's probably just as good as yours. You know, I've got something cooking in my closet. I've, I've never read about it or learned about it or really done it ever. But uh, I've, I just tried to brew a lager. So it's it's probably going to be an excellent pilsner. Wow, you're really going for the jugular. <laughs> right for the jugular. It's, it's one of those things that I don't think people understand unless you go for the jugular. Yeah. Because, because they think like, you know, well, this guy's on his phone all the time. He knows what he's doing. Like posting on your personal profile and posting on a business profile are very different things. Mm. I mean, with there being so much competition, I mean, not so much for draft lines as there, as there was, um, but m- more so now for direct sales. What sort of content can beer businesses post online to help them stand out? Because I think one of the things I've noticed over the last 19, 20 weeks is um there's a lot more instagram carousels that's appeared that's um you know for our listeners who might not know what that is it's where there's multiple pictures and you sort of swipe along and um it tells like it's like a micro blog type thing or or um a lot of kind of animated videos of a kind of, kind of like a beer can spinning you know and, and at yeah. first it was like oh man that's cool yeah but it's you know and again there's a designer who, who keeps an eye on those sort of things I'm like oh it's, it's about time we start seeing that in the beer world but more whereas now it's a combination of those things and oh look another picture of a tasty ipa oh, oh and another one oh oh a stout oh you know <laughs> that one's that one's, it up. that one's dark yeah oh my goodness um but like um 
you know, what what can they do to stand out? Okay, so I have a couple of suggestions for this one. Um, first thing is, you know, you mentioned the Instagram carousels where there's multiple photos. Uh, people are very, very curious. Um, if you have a, a post on Instagram that has multiple photos where you have to swipe to see more photos, chances are they're going to swipe to see what else there is. Um, really out of out of pure curiosity, and that means they're interacting with your post. That means they're spending more time on it, which the algorithm likes, and that they're interacting with your brand, which gives you the opportunity to sell, which gives you the opportunity to sell either the beer or the relationship. And then on Facebook, um, that's why I'm very anti-pick-stitched photos, like where it's just a square with a bunch of different pictures, is because you're losing opportunity. Um, And on Facebook, you could do a post with a bunch. And if you noticed, if you put, um, I think it's four photos or more, you see the post has a couple of previews and then like the little box on the side that says, plus however many more. Mm. And they want to click on it. And again, they're engaging with your posts. You have the opportunity to connect with them and all those sorts of things. So those are actually really good posts. I've noticed um, they do, at least their accounts that I've managed, have done a lot better when it comes to reach and engagement than other posts. I will say, um, if something does really good with reach and engagement, that's great and do more of it, but don't ever let that be the only thing you do or else it's going to get old. Yep. Um, The other thing is hand your beer to a human. Um, Find a human who will hold your beer and looks not super awkward in a photo and take a picture of them. Um, If their face is in it, that's amazing. If you if they're like, oh, I don't want my face in this picture, then get, you know, their hands holding it or, you know, even two hands clinking glasses or something. People just connect with people more than they connect with inanimate objects. Mm. Um, So that's a big thing, too. Um, One of the things that I do whenever I feel like I'm getting a little rusty is I look at different inspirational accounts um, Morgan and I call them benchmark brands. So it, it's not necessarily competitors, but it's people who are just above your level. And then some people who are like way above your level. So you can kind of see like, okay, they're just above my level. This is what I should be doing. And like way above the level, this is where I want to get to. Um, and you could do that. Um, I would, I would be careful doing that just by follower count. I would look for people who have really good, um, photos who have higher engagement rates, whose captions make you want to actually click the see more button and read the rest of it. Um, but look at those and kind of get ideas because I could throw a bunch out at you, but maybe they would be, um, obsolete in a week. So, yep. So how, how do you see beer marketing as a whole moving forwards into this decade, especially in light of the societal change we're all undergoing i think that social media uh just digital in general is going to get even more important like it was already important Mm. now it's even more important to have a really nice functioning website 
where everything can be found very easily. All your information is up there. To make sure everything's updated across the different platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Google My Business even, um, which is actually a very undervalued one, but everybody should be focusing on Google My Business too. Um, and making so making sure your information's updated across all of them that um, you don't, if, if I signed on to your Instagram, you haven't posted in two weeks, I'm gonna worry that you're closed. Same thing for Facebook. Uh, I need to know that you're still active, so you're still posting consistently. Um, and it's just really where people are gonna continue to hang out more and more. And one of the most, the best ways to get in front of the fa their faces on a space that they already are. Mm. Talk a bit about email marketing. As I don't know if it's different in the States to over here in the UK, but um, traditionally on a Monday, uh, that's when breweries would make their sales calls to pubs. And obviously landlords cottoned on over time that when the phone would ring on a Monday morning, don't pick it up because it'll be, you know, oh, it's Jeff from Little Tidlington Brewery. You want any cast this week? Again, please buy my beer. Then, you know, obviously as technology moved on, it was like, oh, send me an email. Then, you know, all the emails were flooding. So, you know, um, and then as a brewer, you'd, you'd send out the email, but then you get all discouraged when the landlord hasn't opened it. Um, I mean, how, how can you with your email list, whether you're doing it uh, direct to consumer, but particularly more so, and again, again, this is probably more applicable for UK listeners, but more so when you're doing it to bar owners and the purchasers who make those decisions in those places, like the gatekeepers, like, you know, um, how can you stand out from the crowd rather than just like, here's our beer, here are the prices, please buy them, please. So in the U.S., we have the three-tiered system, yeah, um, which is wonderful. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so in the U.S., we have the, th the three-tiered system. So um, we do brewery to distributor to bars um, or grocery shops or whatever. Um, so it's, a, it's not quite the same. But I will give you my best bet just based on my marketing knowledge for B to B. Um, I'm going to say you should try to build a relationship. People have a much harder time saying no to people who they like. Yep. Like a much harder time. So building a relationship is going to be um, a really big deal. Um, another thing, which is. I would say Morgan's favorite thing is kind of being authentic, being yourself. But if I was doing it, I would try to be myself, but snappier. So I would want that email subject to be something catchy or fun or snappy or eye catching. Um, you could do a lot of testing with this to see what works. I'm marketing big into testing to see what works, but oftentimes if it has somebody's name in the subject line, people see their name. And so they're like, wait, what? And that's more likely for them to open it. Um, so those sorts of things are really going to help. And if you open up the email, if you have something that looks nice, that's going to be a big deal. That's kind of where your design comes in. People are, if it looks um, like a two-year-old put it together, people probably are not going to take you seriously. <laughs> um, so you want it to look nice. And then obviously you want it to read nice. And if you can be... Um, snappy catchy if you're a funny person you could 
be funny. The cool thing about this industry is that you don't have to be super, I don't want to say you don't have to be super professional. You don't have to be like, dear sir or madam, I am writing to you to inquire. You can be way more personable. um, And that helps again with the building relationships. Mm. So what would you say the best form of marketing is if you had to choose one? I would say it depends on your audience. It really does. If you tell me a target audience, then I can tell you what I think the best form is. Like if you, if any portion of your target audience is between the ages of 18, because legal drinking age over there is 18, and 35, you need to be on Instagram. And if your target audience includes that segment, and you're not on Instagram, there's a problem. You're missing out on a lot of viewers. Um, they might, some of those people might also be, you know, 25 to 35 will probably also be on Facebook. Um, my little sister's 21. She and her friends don't go on Facebook. Um, so you would be missing out on a little bit of the younger crowd if you're only on Facebook. Um, and then for somebody who's, you know, 25, um, most of their time is going to be spent on Instagram. If you have an older crowd and you're not on Facebook, that's going to be a problem. Mm. Um, you're going to, if you're only on Instagram and your segment is going to be from 35 to 45 and even up to 55, uh, you need to be on Facebook or else you're not going to see the people or the people who you need aren't going to see it. Um, we generally recommend that people are on both Facebook and Twitter Um, those types of places are, as the name suggests, social, social media. Uh, People go there to hang out, to interact, to, um, you know, if they're geeky, they're on there to learn. If they love to watch comedies, they're on there to laugh. Um, Everybody's just kind of on there to do their thing. So you want to figure out uh, who your target audience is, and then that's kind of how you can approach them. Cool. So um, I thought we'd do some listener questions. So I've, I posted on uh, the UK Beer and Brewing Professionals Facebook group, which I think you're on, aren't you? I know you're on the craft I beer am. one, which is the, the US equivalent. Um, so uh, there's a couple of questions on here. So uh, jo- Johnny Cooper asks, uh, how often should you be posting? Okay. So I would say very generalized rule of thumb, posting six to seven times a week, um, six to seven days a week. The most important thing is going to be that you're posting consistently. So if you're a really small brewery and you can't get up to that six to seven, I would rather see you post every other day than post four times in a row and then leave off for three or four days. Um, So if you can't do that, at least post consistently. If you are somebody who, you know, oh, no, something just happens and I need to post twice a day, don't sweat it, post twice a day. Um, and if you're somebody who keeps having lots of good things, you can post more than once a day, but, um, don't post just for the sake of posting. Make sure there's actually some substance to Mm. it. I heard that Grant Cardone, I think it was Grant Cardone post like something like 10 to 15 times a day. There is a school of thought that says that the more you post, the better. Like there are people who say that I disagree. I would get really annoyed with people and unfollow them mm, well I, there's 
Yeah, there's one person who I follow who's actually a friend and not a company who posts a bunch a day, and I'm like, okay, whatever, it's okay, you're my friend. But if a company did it, I'd be like, I'll just find you when I need you and not keep you in my newsfeed. Dave Hayward, oh, Dave Hayward, what a legend. So Dave Hayward has said, he's got three questions. He's put, sorry, I know that's three questions. He, he, he hopes they're all decent, so I'll, I'll let you be the judge of this, Amy. Uh, his, his three questions, greedy Dave, um, is w- 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 um, w- what's your opinion on the difference? In fact, we'll go through them one by one, actually. Um, what's your difference in the... What's your opinion on the difference in algorithm between Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and the best way to create engaging content, in, engaging content for each, um, for each respectively? Sure. Um, I'm gonna say right off the bat, if you're not on Twitter, you don't need to be. Um, Twitter. Okay, and I'll add a caveat to that too. Controversial. If you have. <laughs> I know this is if you have an amazingly engaged Twitter audience, go for it. You know, if I'm about what I'm about to tell you, if you're like, well, all of my customers are on Twitter, then go for it. But generally speaking, unless you are a politician in the news media or a sports, a sports athlete, can you tell I love sports (laughs) (laughs) or a professional athlete or like a musician, you know, unless you are one of the big people that everybody and their brother knows, you really don't need to be on Twitter. It's very hard for a brewery to come up with enough information to um, actually justify being on Twitter. You tweet and it's kind of gone. Like you tweet, you have to tweet multiple times a day. Like I would say four times a day in order to stay relevant on Twitter. And I have not, yet seen a brewery where the ROI would justify that. So I would say you don't need Twitter. Um, Facebook, sorry, what were you no, going to no, say? Go for it. No, go for it, sorry. Oh, Facebook and Instagram, I want you to focus on the most engaging content that you have. So by engaging, if you look you know, in your Facebook and Instagram stats, engaging means likes and comments and shares. So the posts that are getting likes, comments and shares, the algorithm is going to love comments. They're going to love the most because they're all about starting conversations. So when somebody comments on your post, you comment back that counts as double and the algorithm loves it twice. Um, asking a question so that they then comment back, you're opening up conversation and you know, Facebook and Instagram suddenly are in love with you. The more comments you get, the more people it's going to show. And actually, every now and then, if you have a type of post that you know gets good engagement, for me, I ask people to post, uh, to answer only using GIFs, and those gets lots of engagement. And then your posts that come after it will the algorithm will be like, well, everybody loved this post. So I think everybody's going to love this post too. And your next post will actually benefit from the previously engaged posts. Um, So that's both Facebook and Instagram. There's something very Orwellian, like 1984 about all this, isn't there? (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah. 
Um, D- Dave's next question, given that he's he's offered us three, although we may have answered this already, says, do you, do you see the value in paid advertising or is organic campaigning where it's at? If your organic is already nailed down or your engagement rate is well above the average, or even, even if it's above the average, you could start with the paid advertising, um, then go for it. If not, you're throwing your money right down the toilet. There you go. And the last question of Dave's uh, is, do you have a recommendation for a brewery and bottle shop, respectively, that is, quote-unquote, doing it right, that we should have a look at and why? So are there any examples of breweries or bars or whatever that you feel like are really smashing it out with their social media? And why, why is that? Why do you think they're, you know, the, the, the ones we should be looking at and taking inspiration from? Sure. Um, I'm going to lean heavily on the breweries so because i've just been following them more maybe there are more of them um i absolutely love trogues and mad tree trogues is in pennsylvania mad tree is in ohio um they have really beautiful imagery i don't think i've ever scrolled by a photo from them without stopping um And then when you go over to the feed, all of the photos go together really nicely. Um, So that's another thing. You know, I see the picture. I click on it. I read what it is. Their their photos make me stop and their captions make me want to drive back out to Ohio or Pennsylvania. I've visited them both. They're great places to visit. But I'm like, oh, my goodness, I need to go back and get more. Um, I'm obsessed with them. The, the, they both, though, have like a whole, you know, maybe 40,000 followers or something like that. Um, so on a smaller scale, if you're a smaller brewery and you want to see somebody that's, you know, a little bit, I think maybe like 11,000 followers or so, um, Rohrbach Brewing, which is in Rochester, New York. I love Rohrbach Um I love their marketing. Their visual branding is amazing. They have a marketing person. So their visual branding is amazing. And um, their photos are really beautiful. Again, you they all look like they go together in the feed, but each one stands really nicely alone. And their captions are really formatted nicely. Um, there's a lot of call to actions, all of that. They also use um, user-generated content very well. I don't follow as many bottle shops. Um, the Cellar Bottle Shop and Tasting Room is another one that's very thumb-stopping. Um, and then Bottle Logic Brewing has, uh, I, I like their highlight covers a lot, but they have a nice solid profile too. I, I love a good highlight cover. Yeah, nice. Uh, we've got one more question uh, from Jason Winter. Um, we've answered a lot of this, but um, he, he does ask actually, are there any golden rules to finding your target market? Are there okay? So I think that you need to define your brand's personality, and then think of you know who that personality. If your brand, if your brewery was a human, what would they be like, and who would they hang out with? And when you figure that out, the who they would hang out with is going to be your target market. And then you need to think of well, what do they like? What does this person who would hang out with my brewery like? Where do they where do they hang out? 
you know, all of those sorts of things. So then you could figure out how you could reach them. Yeah. One of the exercises I do with my consultancy clients is to say, like, give them, I want you to come up with like five archetype people. So give them a name and a persona, where they live, you know, what beers they're into and all that kind of thing. So you're like, oh, this is, this is Jeff. It always seems to be Jeff for some reason. Um, this is Jeff, you know, he's, <laughs> he's 30. Um, he's just getting into beer. So he's, he's moving on from, you know, some more, more traditional beers um, into like your kind of um, sort of entry level craft and, and so on and so forth. And when you build up, yeah, those kind of customer types and you've got like a bank of five of them, you think, right, okay, now I can target specific products to those people um because you know there are different um beers in your range that you know um will suit different people better rather than just throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks so um yeah definitely agree with that one i think i think there is only one company that i talked to that already had it and it was like a brewery news and lifestyle type company and i was like okay who's your avatar and he's like, well, his name is Nate. He's in his early 30s. He works a day job that it makes him money, but he doesn't really love it. So he escapes with craft beer. He like he literally listed off all of these different personality traits. And I was like, wow, you really like did this work. You're the first person who's actually, you know, whatever. And he goes, yeah, he's actually one of my friends, but he doesn't know he's my avatar. And I was like, oh, so if you have a friend who or you know a customer if you know a person you can kind of start there too that's a that's a really good idea actually well thanks for being on the show today um and we're, we're starting to get more listeners from the usa tune into the hot four podcast so um ho- hopefully um off, off the back of this um hopefully we send some people your way so how how, pe- how can people get in touch with you and, and should they want like a an audit on their um social media or advice or to use your services at content on draft how can people find out more and connect with you. Sure. Yeah. So actually we don't limit just to the U S. Um, so other people, regardless of your country, you can come to us. We will talk to you. We'll see what we can do, but, um, you can reach out to our, on our Facebook at content on draft. Um, you can reach out to us on Instagram at content on draft. You can visit our website, which is www.contentondraft.com. Or you could find me, Amy Brooks. Have fun doing that. I have a super common name on Facebook and reach out to me personally. Happy days. Well, you've obviously got your social media down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot 4 podcast this week. Don't forget, we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at hotforwardbeers. Until next time, cheers. Right, so